Welcome back to the Healthcare Insight Podcast. I'm Eric Silverman. And I'm Jane Crosby. Thanks for coming back. We're excited about our discussion with Michael McCauley this week. Yeah, Michael's VP of Corporate Communications for Hackensack Meridian Health and had a bunch of really interesting perspective across a, a couple of different different arenas. You know, one of the things, you know, Hackensack Meridian Health is obviously a, a formidable institution doing a lot in, in the New Jersey market and, and in the Northeast. But Michael's also part of the Society for Healthcare Strategy and Market Development, as many of us are. And he was on a panel that completed the By the Numbers report this year. Uh, I believe it was a special COVID edition. We'll put a link to it with the material around uh, this episode. But it was looking at what's happening to budgets or what happened to budgets in 2020 and what the impact of the changing landscape has been for for channels. And there were some really interesting findings there. Yeah, I agree. The biggest thing for me, Eric, was that by and large, healthcare marketing budgets haven't been cut. And I think there's a perception in some ways that they probably have been because of the decrease in elective volumes throughout the pandemic. But I think it opens up a unique opportunity for healthcare marketers to either do things the way they've always done them and see what works as we head out of the pandemic, or make some shifts to really address where consumers are at today and what they're looking for from their health system partners. It got me thinking about about kind of what the numbers said about shift of dollars. And, and you're right, Jane, there was, you know, a pretty significant shift in some of the dollars. I think the biggest growth was in um, the paid media side. Um, social media saw a lot of growth and email as well. And this got me kind of reflecting on the question of if everybody's rushing to the space and, and don't get me wrong, I realize we've all been doing email and social and paid media for a long time. But but if that's getting more crowded, because it doesn't make sense as much to do out of home, if nobody's out of home, you know, and those sorts of things. How do you do it well? How do you really stand out? And and I know you've got some great perspective on just that. Yeah, I think being really thoughtful about where you're spending your time, energy, and overall resources from a channel mix perspective is going to be key in 2021. We were talking with Joe Polizzi on a previous episode about how leveraging email marketing as an owned channel is going to be really, really effective in the future as the rented channels like social media and paid search and things like that are evolving and algorithms are constantly changing. If you leverage email well, you own that outreach and you connect with those consumers in a really personal way, it's going to add a ton of value. Plus, it's really efficient. It doesn't cost a ton to do email marketing compared to paid social campaigns. So that's one that's top of mind for me. The other thing is, you know, in your service line marketing strategies, I was talking to a colleague earlier this week about how paid search isn't a channel where you create demand. It's a channel where you capture demand that exists. Making sure you're really thoughtful about how you leverage each channel that you're using in your campaigns, how you talk to leadership about expectations will help you get really precise with where you're spending each dollar, I think. Absolutely. You know, the other piece that we got to talk to Michael about a little bit was... Um, vaccine adoption. And we heard a little bit of this from some of our other guests too, but, but these, this interview was, was one of the first times that we kind of got another window into this perspective that demand was surprisingly lower than kind of what, what maybe many of us expected would be just lines around the block for adoption. But I think if I'm not mistaken, and I know Michael talks about this in our interview, they were looking at about 50% adoption rate among their clinical staff 
And this connects to some of the things we've been talking to other guests about in terms of adoption rate and how to kind of cut through that message. I got to say, I was still surprised by this. What about you? I was really surprised, especially based on his geography. It wouldn't have been as surprising to me as someone in maybe Arizona and Florida that didn't have the strict lockdowns and severe impact that the Northeast had, specifically New Jersey and New York. So I was surprised that people weren't super eager to go get vaccinated and get back to some semblance of normal. But I think it, again, drives home the importance of content marketing in this space and communicating really, really well with your core audience to build trust and build engagement around what you're hoping to accomplish in this case, vaccine adoption. I totally agree. And we heard a little bit of the same from Victor Rice in the previous episode, which I know our, our listeners will, will have heard as well. And it, it's great food for thought around building those kind of communication plans in a really meaningful way that helps to cut through some challenges that many of us as marketers have not had to address previously. There's some really kind of great opportunities for learning and drilling into human behavior and psychology in a way that helps us really connect with making sure that people get good outcomes. And so I was excited about that. For sure. For all the challenges that the pandemic has brought, it's been actually really exciting. And I feel like we've learned so much about how to connect with people and how to be better marketers. One of the other things Michael talked about quite a bit was really supporting mental health at work, getting to know his team and some of the leadership philosophy that he has. And I thought it was really interesting. And personally, I'm guilty of it all the time, showing up to meetings and getting right to work and really understanding our team members and getting to know them personally just drives so much culture that I think Michael has done a good job of, of implementing that hack and sack. I, I agree. And, and you'll, you'll hear, or our listeners will hear in the interview, he talks about four R's that he's focused on in the kind of team development side. And, and I won't, I won't spoil those now. You can, can listen to Michael's perspective on it, but, but I will talk about a dimension of each, you know, one, one was about just the fundamentals of trust in how we build effective teams. And to me, that was a really practical through line for so much that we've talked to our guests about that we work on kind of individually in, in our businesses and across teams of just making sure that there is a genuine sentiment of trust and connectivity across team members that are working together because not that that's not always important, but now when we're not in the same room together, when we're working remotely, when we're spending time uh, in separate spaces, that ability to know that you have the kind of grace, trust, and confidence of the people that are around you, even when you're not looking them in the eye. I mean, that makes a big difference, not just at work, right? But like in life. Yeah, I agree. The other piece that I, I really took away from our conversation was the empathy and compassion component to how we work with each other. I think leaders who can't figure out how to be empathetic to each individual team member's situation, whether it be life or work, as we continue to work from home and, and balance the pandemic's challenges are the leaders who are going to fail. So I think that's a big a big takeaway for me and, and hopefully our listeners too. I agree. You know, one just just I will spoil one of his R's here. One of them was rest and relaxation. And it's timely for me, you know, you know, Michael point, points out, we really have to make sure that particularly now we're taking care of ourselves mentally and, and physically and, and, and doing a good job there. And I totally agree. You know, I was looking at our business and what the trend line of people utilizing paid time off last year was relative to years previous. And like, nobody took any time off last year. Now, there's a couple, couple reasons for that. Everybody's super busy, you know, but there's also nothing to do, right? And so if you don't, like 
create some new patterns and make sure that you're making that time for yourself and, and doing things that make sense kind of mentally and physically for, for how, <laughs> for your non-work life, I do think it has an impact. And that's one of the things that I'm focused on, you know, in, in business this year is how do we make sure that we're engineering that in the business in a way that's both practical, makes good business sense, and really stewards the well-being of our, our workforce too. So it was a fun interview. We'll dive right into it. Enjoy hearing from Michael McCauley. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Michael McCauley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Real, really excited you're here. You know, we got a lot of lot of good stuff that, that we want to talk about. Um, but but one of the things I'm really interested in does center around um, COVID response. And I know we've, we've talked a lot about that, but, but Jane and I were talking a little bit, you know, I recognize geographically speaking, we have the, you know, great benefit of talking to people all over the country. The Northeast has been really aggressive in its COVID response in terms of uh, lockdowns, uh, kind of protocol for management. And one of the things I'm really curious about is how is that affecting you guys from a volume standpoint, elected volume standpoint, maybe compared to some of your peers. I'm down here in South Carolina and, you know, it's a, it's a wholly different environment than New Jersey, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause all over the country, everyone's experiencing different things, but here in the Northeast, especially in Jersey and New York city, obviously we've, we've taken uh, it's impacted us COVID and we've seen that with our volumes. Uh, we've seen that from the feedback that we're getting from our consumers that, they're just not ready to get the care that they uh, typically would have, you know. And we've gone through different different cycles in that. In the first wave of COVID, people just didn't want to come to the hospitals as much because they knew COVID was there. Uh, so we had to do a lot of education about we are separating COVID patients from different units. You, you're still safe. We're wearing the appropriate PPE, social distancing. It's still safe to come back in. Um, New Jersey actually did limit the elective procedures, elective surgeries. Uh, so there was a couple of weeks there where uh, all of those were limited um, and only performing really necessity uh, surgeries. Uh, so once that ban was lifted, we had to do a lot of education to our consumer to let them know that it was safe to come back. And now uh, that was the first wave, but now in the second go wave uh, that we've experienced with COVID uh, more towards the end of 2020 and still leading into uh, currently right now is really a lot of, uh, of our consumers are saying, I'm not going to get the care until I get my vaccine. Uh, so now right, we're doing right. outreach uh, to make we're still letting them know it's still safe to come to our facilities 100 uh, percent but now we're starting to do a lot of outreach around vaccines where they can get it when they can get it and all that good stuff yeah sure absolutely you were um, you were on the panel that did the shishmed by the numbers report for um, the special report on on, on covid yeah. response you got to, to read the report. Any surprises there? Anything that really stood out to you when you kind of compare your your state of the union with, with that of your peers and what you guys found? No, I, I don't think anything really stood out. But what something that probably did, I walked away, was we're all facing the same things, maybe different, just differently in each of our regions. And we're all can, and can learn from each other. Uh, we're all experiencing decreases in volumes. We're all incre- you know, experiencing uh, COVID fluctuations. And I think it's important to know that we're, uh, as a healthcare community, healthcare marketers, it's a small world. Um, and it's good to know to bounce things off of each other and really essentially be there for each other. Yeah, it makes, makes great sense. Um, one of the things that I think, I think you mentioned it in the, in the report, but 
you know, some of the report was about what's been the impact on marketing budgets. And, and you, you, I think, were transparent there that in 2019, you guys made a major shift around your budget priorities, some significant reduction. I'm really interested in kind of how you, how you pick, like how do you go through such a comprehensive budget reduction process to the extent you're talking, comfortable talking about it? And, and, and how do you, what, what's the prioritization process and how do you decide? Yeah, we were lucky because the year before COVID hit, we actually had to go through an exercise on the budget to reduce our budget about four to $5 million. So we went through that and uh, we did a lot of conversations with our vendors and reimagined contracts with them uh, to save some money. Uh, there were some vendors that we got work we were very comfortable with and it really needed to go back to the drawing board and talk about how we can reimagine that, that partnership. Also, there was a lot of programs that were really nice that we've always did, you know, a lot of community outreach right. programs. But uh, when you really dug deep, they weren't really driving return on investment or the volume that we were really um, would have liked to have seen. So in some cases, there were, um, there were difficult decisions because there were well-known popular community outreach uh, campaigns but we did have to sunset them because they just weren't driving what we um, had anticipated. Sure, sure. Well, and so, you know, it never never feels good to have to go through a major budget reduction exercise, but in light of the kind of COVID piece, perhaps nice to have already been through the, the process in a yeah. lot of ways and be leaned up demonstrably so, you know? Yeah. It's also, it's also nice to have a senior executive team. In, in, in our case, uh, Bob Garrett, who's our CEO, who is very... Uh, aware of the impacts that marketing communications has. Um, so he knows the power of marketing communications and he realizes the when you invest in it, it's going to be a benefit for the organization with helping to drive additional volume, increasing brand awareness. Um, so he's, he's someone that's always been very supportive. So actually between 2020 and 2021, we increased our budget about by 4% uh, because there were some new initiatives that we wanted to, to embark upon. And Bob Garrett was very supportive knowing that those will really help uh, drive volume and increase our brand awareness in the community. That's amazing that you guys have that senior leadership support and have for a long time because we're seeing a number of organizations still struggle to get their senior leadership to understand the value they're bringing to their health organizations. One thing I wanted to ask about, Michael, that occurred to me as you were talking about people being hesitant to consume care even still throughout the pandemic, what's been the response to the vaccine rollout? Are people in the Northeast as scared and nervous about the vaccines as here in the Midwest and maybe the Southeast, or are they more chomping at the bit to get vaccinated yeah. back to normal? Yeah. Uh, Jane, it's so interesting that you say that because when I thought that when I, when I knew the vaccine was rolling out and we started to roll out, I was, uh, from my own perspective, thinking, oh my gosh, the demand is going to be out the door for this. People are going to be lining up for you know hours and miles to get the vaccine. And what we've realized is um, currently right now, uh, as of today, uh, HMH, uh, we've vaccinated about 50% 50, 50 of our team members. And I just thought that would have been higher. Uh, we, we Obviously, our goal is to get them higher. But there are uh, some individuals um, that are hesitant because they're not sure it was, it was developed too quickly or a lot of our, uh, some of our uh, females uh, population are thinking that could have some impact on fertility. Uh, so they're being, you know, very cautious about it. So uh, it's, it's not as high as I thought it would be, but I think um, uh, with further education, we're going to get people there to, to be more on board to take the vaccine. 
And we're very supportive of our governor, Governor Murphy's efforts in the state. He wants to vaccinate about 70% of the state's population to start to experience herd immunity. Uh, so we're, we're, we're really pushing hard to support those efforts. That's phenomenal. It's good progress. I was talking to one client who said in their nursing staff, they had only vaccinated 13% of their staff because the majority were that 25 to kind of 35 female demographic. So they had some serious challenges. So 50% sounds great. Yes. What are some of the things that are working for you guys to raise awareness and kind of education, both internally and externally about the fact that it is safe and important to get vaccinated? Yeah. Uh, it is probably um, consistency and redundancy. So keep, just keep keep pushing the message, uh, especially with team members and, and in our community as well. Um, so we have engaged our clinical staff. We hold webinars, Zoom meetings uh, for our team members. We've had OBGYNs on there to talk about why it's important to get the vaccine. We've had our chief physician executive and our lead nurse uh, who's pushing the vaccine efforts, talk about the, the safety of it, um, you know, uh, how, how, it, how it is so safe. So we keep pushing that message. Uh, and then we're also working with our diversity and inclusion uh, team to really start to reach the um, diverse populations to really let them know that it is safe uh, and, and it's a, uh, something that they should really consider getting. Uh, so there's no magic uh, behind it. I think it's just keep reiterating your message and eventually you'll, you start to see the, the impact of that. So maybe kind of outside of, of COVID or notwithstanding COVID and, and including it, you know, you're running a really large inclusive organization across, across the state, 17 hospitals, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's working for you guys, communication strategy overall that, that kind of inevitable effort at balance between local messaging, but a more inclusive identity uh, as, as Hackensack Meridian Health, like what's on the roadmap this year? Mm -hmm. Well, I think first and foremost, some things that, that, that have worked really well for us is positioning different experts to talk about COVID or talk about the vaccine that is, uh, could relate to consumers or team members better. Uh, so a lot, some of the research we had was uh, a lot of our consumers are going to trust the, the uh, advice uh, that they get from their physician, so, which is why that drove our decision and our strategy to do a lot of public service announcements, uh, taking our physicians, our nurses, and recording segments with them, uh, turning them into radio commercials, turning them into TV commercials that really talked about educating them either uh, during the first wave about um, how to stay safe during COVID, why to come back and get care, or the, the second surge uh, when we start to have vaccine rollout, why vaccines were so safe. Uh, so we're gonna continue uh, to take that strategy and really um, move that forward uh, to really help drive further education and awareness. Makes great sense. When you think about 2021 kind of end to end from a marketing communication standpoint, is, is a lot of the focus around kind of uh, vaccine and return to care and, and elective volumes or, you know, are there other kind of, what, what's the right balance, I guess, in your view of kind of immediate term, you know, no doubt. I mean, this is a really important communication matter in the, in the immediate term, but then also kind of getting back to some of the longer game of, uh, of some of the Marcom strategy for the system. Sure. Uh, so I, I uh, was thinking about this before, uh, of some of the things that we're going to start focusing on for 2021. Coincidentally, it was a, um, a bunch of, a couple of R's. So I was thinking about recovery. So obviously we're gonna be doing a lot 
uh, to really help drive volume uh, to our to our system to our network um, and uh, and the other word was reassure reassure our community that it is safe reassure them um, that they can come in to get care reassure them that the vaccine is safe uh, etc there's also reimagine uh, we we have to just think about things differently uh, the way we did things before we may not be able to continue to do the same and that may be reimagining the way we work we're also reimagining just different policies or protocols that we have in place across the network. And then last was rest and relaxation. We have to really take care of ourselves. Uh, mentally, physically, um, we need to take time off. That's one thing that a uh, lesson learned that we uh, learned throughout COVID was during the first COVID uh, surge, we all worked a crazy amount of hours. And we just do what we did what we need to do because we knew we just had to you know, support our frontline care team. Uh, we had to uh, just roll up our sleeves and, and, and jump in and help out. What we learned in the second surge of COVID was that was all fine, we, but we, everyone was tired and we needed to start to think about how we can really take breaks, encourage people to take a couple of days off, really start promoting mental um, and wellness resources to our team members because that area is just going to keep continuing as we roll into 2021, uh, as people are just really tired and want to um, need some breaks. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's good perspective. I agree. I think burnout's going to be a huge challenge over the next couple of months. What are some things working for you guys, Michael, to keep work fun, keep your team kind of connected to each other, and maybe personally any hobbies that allow you to kind of break out and, and relax a little bit? Yeah, sure. I think for me, for I always, my message to the team is work should always be fun. And I think work becomes fun when you create an environment that supports that. So when you have a, a trusting relationship with your team, uh, when you're open and transparent with them, uh, when you're caring with them, once you have those ingredients, uh, I firmly believe then comes along the fun because everyone is trusts each other uh, they know what's going on. They know you care for them. And then you could open up and start to really uh, get to know people better. Um, it's been challenging, especially because COVID, because we're, we're used to seeing each other in person. And it's not the same, you know, having Zoom meetings and trying to get to know your team better through Zoom. But you have to just you know, keep on it. But um, those are the three areas that I felt that if you have that, then I think fun will come. And then it's also important to get to know get to know your team because everyone's going through different things. You know, for myself, I have a family, three kids, a wife, a new puppy during COVID. So a lot, a lot of things are going on. And uh, if I knew uh, my, uh, someone on my team was going through some challenges, you know, I'm going to be, you know, you know, different with them. Uh, and you know, I'm open to the things that I'm uh, going through at home. You know, when you have a zoom call and the dog's barking, or your, your kid is doing virtual learning and you're on the phone with your boss, but they have a question about their math problem. You know, it's, it could get quite, quite challenging, but as long as we all know that we're all in the same boat and going through all these together, I think makes it, um, makes it better. I totally agree. And I've kind of enjoyed some of that authenticity too, and seeing people's dogs and kids in the background. It's allowed us to get in some ways, even closer to our clients who we normally only see in boardrooms and over dinners. So there's been a kind of fun aspect to that too. You've had a really interesting career path, Michael, and I'd love to talk a little bit about your evolution from healthcare to Christie's and then back into healthcare. 
what did you learn at Christie's and kind of what brought you back into the healthcare space? Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Cause I started out with Siemens. Uh, so I was with Siemens for 10 years. Uh, when I reached that 10 year mark at Siemens, I thought to myself, uh, I can either be at Siemens for the rest of my career or venture off and try new opportunities. So obviously I, I chose the latter and, and went to Christie's for a couple of years to head up their global internal communications program. Quite a different world. You go from healthcare and power generation and building technologies and, and all what Siemens does to uh, an auction house. But it's, and then spending two years at Christie's and then moving to Meridian Health uh, two, year, two years later, uh, and eventually now being with Hackensack Meridian Health, quite the different of industries. But what I've always said is you can adapt the things that you do uh, communication wise, marketing wise, in whatever industry you are and bring them over to another industry. So industries are different. You know, you, it takes a lot of learning um, as you enter a new industry, learning all the jargon, the, the lingo, and all the, the things you need to know about that industry. But uh, how we did team member forums at Christie's was something that I brought over and implemented when we were at uh, Meridian Health as well. So it, it was a little, little different, but the conceptually, you know, same things that you do. You know, we saw in the Shishmed by the numbers report that, that you were part of, you know, the rise in video, rise in social, you know, some of the trend lines for, for what was changing or amplifying over the past year or so. When you look ahead, maybe particularly for your own marketing communication efforts, from a channel and tool standpoint, kind of any favorite things or, or emerging uh, communication channels that you're really honed in on and thinking about? Well, obviously, we're going to be supporting the organization in telehealth with that, with that level of the type of care that people are looking for. Obviously, there's other things that we're supporting as well from, you know, from search and, and, and voice, but there are you know, things that we're also focusing on, on different technologies. You know, a lot of our consumers now want instant gratification. They want to be able to make an appointment right away. They want to be able to see their, their records right away. They want to be able to see a physician you know, when and where they please, whether it's in the office or um, you know, through telehealth. So we're, we're, we're focused on those things. You know, that's what we're, I guess that would be my answer. Good stuff. Sounds like an exciting time for you guys as you transition kind of out of pandemic mode and into normal marketing mode. So excited yeah. to see what you accomplish. Any good books, any good podcasts that you have um, that you've come to love or learn from over the past year or so? Well, I'm a big fan for healthcare market for insight, insights. That's uh, so the one we were fishing for. What you guys put together, I'm a big fan of. Every time that, that comes in the, in the mail, um, I'm always reading it, you know, you know, you know every, every single page of it. But yeah, obviously, I'm also a fan of why, um, you know, the, the different things that we have from healthcare marketers, you know, with Shushmed and the forum. So I'm always trying to, you know, see, you know, the different resources that they have available to, to, to keep learning. I'm a big advocate for, for LinkedIn uh, because I, I like learning from our healthcare marketing colleagues, uh, but on LinkedIn, I learn something every day, uh, whether it's something that happens in a different industry that I could think about how I could port it over to healthcare as well. So a uh, big LinkedIn supporter as well. But re reading is tough. I mean, with three kids and, and virtual and, and all that, I wish I had more time to, to read. I won't tell you how many books I've read in the last year, Michael. We don't have children in this house and we have a five-year-old and retriever. So it's been a little bit luxurious over here. Yeah, I'm more on your side of the ledger there, Michael. My, uh, my reading 
hobby has has taken taken a back seat but i but i totally yeah. but yeah oh, podcasts have supplanted that in a lot of ways so yeah well michael magali thanks so much for joining the healthcare insight podcast today. it's been great to talk to you thank you so much for having me really appreciate it